0: Y'all didn't get that, did you? <laughs> oh, how many of you know you got authority today? Why don't we say so much at Jasper Christian Center? Well, because we got authority. You know, people who's got authority can talk. You might, you might, you might need to work on your authority. You might be like that guy Charles Calhous used to tell about. He said there was a guy in a, in a worked in a business, and the phone rang, and he happened to answer it that day, and he could tell the customer was upset, man. And the customer said, I'd like to speak to somebody with a little authority there. He said, well, i got about as little as any, but might as well talk to me. How many of you know you've got great authority in yes, Jesus? All right. Hallelujah. God is good, isn't he? Well, like I said, happy Thanksgiving. It's a great, great week to celebrate. I know others of you be traveling, maybe not quite as far from the home as Barbara or Gary, but you got family coming in. And whatever you do, do it. Praise God and enjoy it and have fun. You got your Bible this morning? You made your Bible confession, I'm supposing you do. So go ahead and take your Bibles, and we're going to look at some Scripture this morning, receive some good things from God. I'm, I'm going to have fun for both of us, so don't worry if you, if you don't expect to have any fun today. I'll, I'll just celebrate for the two of us. We've been talking for three weeks prior, and today will be our fourth Sunday morning, on possessing tough faith in a tough world. <clears throat> in other words, meaning toughen up a little bit. You, what happens when you toughen up your faith? Well, you start getting things that only tough people with tough faith get. That's right. right, amen. Weak, passive people never get anything. And I told you last Sunday, weak people, if you're weak and passive in your faith, you don't even survive, not in this right. world. The world's too tough for it. Right. And so you've got to toughen up your faith a little bit. Being amen. tough, a couple of words you might want to write down today because I'm going to talk to you about endurance and never letting go. Amen. Right. But, you know, two words you might want to write down is, is that word tough and being a fighter, being tough. Anybody ever grow up thinking you was tough? Amen. You know, when you say that about people, you say, well, he thinks he's tough, you know. Yeah. Amen. If it was a girl, we'd say, she thinks she's all that and a bag of chips. Right. Amen. And she was. But what does it mean to be tough? And here, here's a big question a lot of people bring up. Why talk about tough? And here's the other word to write down is fighter, be a fighter. Yes. Amen. Now, I'm not talking about aggressive toward people and just in a palmel way just you know throwing everything out there and scattering everything against everybody but I'm just talking about being tough to win in life you know tough enough to overcome things you get symptoms in your body on something if a doctor diagnosed you and said you got cancer be tough enough to take your faith and overcome that cancer you know it's like Susan was quoting something somebody said years ago I thought it was really powerful said you know you can take a boat and put it in the middle of the ocean all that water the ocean around that boat and and it won't sink it until that water gets in. Don't matter how much water's on the outside, just as long as you keep the water out, not within. Right. Amen. And so I mean if a doctor said you've got cancer, don't let that get in your heart. Amen. Amen. Just stand against it. Not, you say look, look, your God, if if this is news to you, I don't I don't think it would be, but your God's bigger than cancer. Amen. And That's if right. you don't know that, if yeah. cancer Amen. overwhelms you, the thought of it overwhelms you, then uh, just get to know him a little better. God's bigger than cancer and bigger than disease. So my point is, be tough and be a fighter. But then people will say, well, they say, why be tough? And why talk about being tough or being a fighter in church? Why, why make such a fight out of life? You ever heard people talk about that? Just relax, lay back, take it easy. That <laughs> I means found when you take it easy, problems just overtake you. But I've had people ask me, and I wrote some of them down last night, why, why is it so bad to have a little weakness? You know, why let a little weakness in? Now, let me give you some synonyms for weakness. And I'm going to put have a little because it's all the same. Why not have a little weakness? Why not have a little weakness? Why not have, in other words, a little passiveness? What's wrong with being a little passive or a little inaction? A person that doesn't take action. Why not have a little inaction? Here's a word, a little dithering. I tell you, you dither a little bit and the devil will kill you. Why not have a little dithering, some say, indecisiveness? Why not live with a little uncertainty? That's not the way God designed you to live. Right. Or in other words, live a little insecure. Or here's the, here's the word that sums it all up. Why not live with a little doubt? In 1980, when I got saved, one of the most famous evangelists, television evangelists at that time, you know, you, this was in the 80s, this is before the scandals and all those things. And so you had a lot of people, had a lot of respect for the men and women that preached on TV like that. Of course, there weren't much, I don't know of any women really that was preaching much back in those days. But Rex Humbard, you know, he was a powerful man. Remember, he was the first, really the first TV minister that came out, Rex Humbard. And, uh, but anyway, I'm not going to tell you which evangelist I was talking about, but there was a great famous evangelist in 1980, began to say, you know, all this hyper-faith stuff is a little dangerous, he said. You get just too much faith. Well, I was a brand-new Christian, and to hear those kind of things, I didn't know. I mean, I thought, well, he's a famous man, you know. And it had me confused because he'd say too much faith, and he called it hyper-faith. In fact, he went as far, Brother Reggie, is to say hyper-faith is when you have too much faith, he says it actually becomes uh, occultish or it becomes false doctrine to have too much faith. And it it really put me back a little bit, you know. It set me back. I thought, man, because I was working hard on my faith. I wanted to have great faith. I was listening to other preachers talking about having great faith right. and this man said you can have too much faith and, and it just gets you in trouble, you know, just, wow. just false teaching to have too much faith. Wow. And so he put out a little book during that time and I won't tell you about it. I, I've got one of those books in my possession but not where I would read it or give it to you <laughs> to read but I always wanted because if I tell you this story I want to have proof that, that he wrote it. Right, right. <laughs> but he said in that it, it, the title of the book was to have balanced faith. Mm-hmm. He said you got to and this is what it said in the book you got to have a little bit of faith but a little bit of doubt. This was a famous evangelist, getting more people saved at the time. But this was what he was teaching. Got to have a little faith and a little bit of doubt. And he went on to say, you got to have a little bit of healing, of course, but a little bit of sickness, too, in this world. Got to have a little bit of money, but a little bit of poverty, too. And that was his book. And it really, literally, huh? I didn't say it was. I told him I wasn't going to tell what you just told. (laughs) Because I, I wasn't saying it to put down the man. I was bragging on Rex Humbart. It's okay. She... Listen, listen. when I go through my life not listening to her, it's times she don't listen to me at times. Time. It's fair, only fair, right? But it had me confused. It really did, Brother Gary, because I was a young baby Christian. I didn't have anybody to guide me or anybody to direct me and uh, other than, than those TV ministers because I didn't have a, a pastor that well, in fact, I'll tell you what my pastor told me during that time, and he, he was a good man. Don't you know, I'm in the Methodist church, I'm talking about the pastor that I had. He told me, he said, Brother James, now, because he saw I was so hungry for God. And he told me this. This is Brother Jack Graves. I mean, this was not bad what he said to me, but he, he, he honestly told me. He said, "Bro James, he said, you are going further in God than I know where to take you. Mm, wow. He said, I, I don't know. And, and he, he said, I don't know how to father you to where you're going, to that next level. He said, I'm not there. He said, now I know some, he was talking about the Methodist Church. He said, I've got a friend, David Nelson. Some of y'all know David Nelson. He was a conference evangelist for the Methodist Church back in the 1970s, and this was 1980. He said, Brother David is a Holy Ghost Spirit-filled man, and he speaks in those tongues like you do. And he said, he knows a lot more about spiritual gifts than I do. He said, I cannot father you. He said, I'm gonna connect you to people that can take you further, because you're not staying in the low level like the people in the pews. He said, you're hungry. And he said, I've got to direct you the best I can to people. And he did. He, wow. he put me, and, and, right. and he didn't know. So I didn't have people that were directing me really strong wow. at that time. Right. Where I was hungry to go, I just had the Word. And I had, of course, Brother Copeland, the only fellowship I had with Brother Copeland was through a cassette tape or the television. And then I had this other evangelist with that book come talking about balanced faith. Yeah. And he said, you've got to have a little doubt a little unbelief. But what's wrong with that? See, what's wrong with that, having a little bit? Well, first of all, this is what I discovered. I went back to the Word of God and I began to do a study. I, I'm going to tell y'all what I did. Y'all, y'all, y'all want to hear what I did? Because I had at that time, I had a lot of Brother Hagin's books, Brother Copeland's books, and their cassettes in those days. And I was studying those all the time that I could. And uh, and I got so confused by this balanced faith teaching that came out. And said, you know, it's heretic. You're a heretic if you're in too much faith. And it scared me because I was already starting to preach some. And I said, Lord, if I, if it's heresy to teach strong faith, and I don't want to mislead anybody. If, I, I actually said to the Lord, now this is how immaterial I was, but I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, if I'm taking myself to hell over faith, I'm not taking anybody with me, so I'm just not going to teach it anymore, if that's what's is wrong with it. And so I, I thought, because I was feeding on these cassettes, and these Brother Hagin and Brother Copeland mostly, a few Jerry Savelle, a few John Osteen books and tapes, and I said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I, I, well, I said to the Lord, actually, I said, Lord, I don't, because I, I didn't know what to do. I said, Lord, what do I do? And the Lord said, uh, um, well, he said, just stay in the Word. I said, well, i tell you what I'll do because I said, I'm not going to mislead anybody if I'm carrying myself to hell. I'm not going to carry anybody else to hell. I said, I'll take all my books by Brother Copeland, Brother Hagen, John Osteen, and, and uh, Jerry Sveld, about all the ones I had back then. I said, I'm going to take all those cassettes and all those books, and I'm just going to take them out in the yard and I'm going to burn them. <laughs> and the Lord said to me, now, Jack, this is the way the Lord said it to me. He's so kind. He said, no, nah, don't burn them just yet. <laughs> That's exactly what I heard him say. Don't burn them just yet. I said, Lord, what do you want me to do with them? Now, I'm a baby Christian. I'm just yeah. starting out. I said, what do you want me to do with them? He said, why don't you just put them in a box and put them under the bed? Just shove them under the bed for a minute. Don't burn them just yet. <laughs> and so I, I put them under the bed. Now, that's all I'd been doing is reading and studying, reading and studying. And so now all the reading and study material I had was under the bed. And so I sat there twiddling my thumbs as long as I could. I thought, Lord, what? And I was so hungry for God. I, I thought, well... What can I do? i tell you what I'll do. I'll just read my Bible. <laughs> now, not that I wasn't reading it, but I was reading it along with those books and listening to those cassettes. You know, I was reading it with them. Right. And so I just got in the Bible. And, boy, I got in the Bible real strong, and I, I'd start reading the Bible. And, I mean, that's all I had. And I'd read the Bible, and I'd say, well, doggone right there is what Brother Copeland said in that book is right there. Uh-huh. And I'd read along a little bit further. i said, well, that's exactly what Oral Roberts said, or that's exactly what Brother Hagin said right there. Right. And i say, ooh, what Brother Swagger said, is not, that's not scriptural what he said because that's not in the Bible. It says right the opposite of that. Now, I'm not putting Brother Swagger down over that because, I mean, I don't know where he is today about it. I don't listen to him. But the thing I, I had to get to was to find out. Now, I'm going to tell you, I did a thorough search back then, I'm te- and I'm still doing that thorough search, and you won't find one chapter and verse from Genesis to Revelation where anybody got in trouble for having too much faith. But you'll find where people got, 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 got on to constantly for not having enough faith. Oh, ye have a little faith. Where's your faith? Why did you doubt? See? But you won't find where anybody got in trouble for having too much of it. In fact, the more the better. In fact, Jesus, when he found people that had a lot of faith, he bragged on it. Two, two people, the Roman centurion and the Syrophoenician blind. That woman had the Syrophoenician blind company, you know. The Syrophoenician woman, I am forget y'all. The Syrophoenician the Syrophenician woman. They had the daughter that was demon-possessed. Both of those, Jesus stopped, turned to what they were doing and saying and said, oh, I've never found so great a faith in all of Israel. And they got exactly Amen. and immediately what they needed because they had what Jesus bragged on called it, great faith. So why have a little doubt? Think about that. Why, why not have a little doubt, Little little dithering, inaction, indecisiveness, a little uncertainty, a little insecurity? Surely somebody might say, the Bible doesn't say we ought to trade our weakness for toughness and become a fighter, does it? You know, that'd be a good question. Well, look on the screen. Let's see if it does. Y'all know I got chapter and verse, don't you? Amen. Amen. Joel chapter 3 on the screen. I'm going to give you several scriptures on the, on, on the screen. Then we'll get into something we've got to look up in just a minute. So Amen. just jot down the reference as quick as you can. Surely the Bible doesn't say we ought to trade our weakness for strength, does it? Oh, yeah, it does. Yeah. Read this with me. Joel 3.10. Let's all do it together. What does, what does the Bible say? Let, Let the, the weak, weak say, say, I am strong. Oh. Now, bro, James, that don't mean, well, wait before you say, let's go to the Message Bible. All right. This is my favorite one. You ready? Yes. Let the weak one throw out his chest and say, I'm tough. Yes. I'm a fighter. Yes. You, God wants yes. you tough in a fighter. Yes, now, yes. not against people. That's not what I'm saying, but against bad attitudes and, a, and against things yes. that are holding you yes. back and against dream robbers and things yes. that try to that's stop it. you and against that's symptoms good. in your body and against sickness that the devil yes. uses to try to be tough in a fighter against yes. things. Yes. Chuck Yeager, who in 1947 is the first man that ever broke the sound barrier. Well, we say that all the time. I, I, you ought to define that. Chuck Yeager, General Chuck Yeager, Colonel Chuck Yeager, was the first one to break the sound barrier in level flight. Now, some had bro- broke the sound barrier falling out of the sky and dying. Yeah. But he's the first one that ever broke the sound barrier in level flight. And and he talked about, he, he said. in fact, he said something. I was quoting to James one time. He said, Put every effort you can. I'm going to say it in my way of saying it, but this is basically what he said. He said, put your whole heart into everything. Put your whole effort toward what you want to accomplish. And he said, and even when things resist you and stand against you, at the most, back up a little bit, but don't ever quit, he said. Amen. Back up to regroup yourself. Yeah. But sometimes you have to do that. But yet, if you're ever going to break through a level, Roger Bannister was the first one that ever broke a four-minute mile. Mm-hmm. People, you know, they said back before Roger Bannister did that, they said that the human, now this is what medical science said said the human body is not capable of breaking a four-minute mile, running a mile under four minutes. Absolutely not capable. Therefore, no one did because the mindset said we couldn't do it. But Roger Bannister broke out of that mindset. He said, I don't believe that. And He kept on working. He said, I can get my body conditioned until I do it. And then he broke that four-minute mile. Well, what was funny, as soon as he broke the four-minute mile, it broke it in the minds of people that it can't be done. And then everybody, start, not everybody, but you know, everybody that was anybody in track started breaking the four-minute mile. And now today, in, especially in high school or Olympics, you better not even compete unless you can break that four-minute mile because that level has stretched up there. So whatever whatever you're doing, be a fighter on it. I think the biggest, write this down and we'll have time to get to it, I hope, but this is where I'm going with this, is just don't ever quit. Brother Norval Hayes and I were sitting in the car driving out of this parking lot one day and, and uh, I'd heard him say this so many times and he said something to me in the car about faith and I thought, I'll just quote what he taught me. And I looked at him, and I said, Brother, I said, you know, Brother Norval, I said, faith don't, don't have quitting sense. He said, boy, you got that right. I, I said, they thinking, of course I did. I learned it from you. Faith doesn't have quitting sense. Right. The only battle that you'll ever lose physically, financially, relationship-wise, the only battle you will ever lose is the one you quit fighting. It does not matter how slowly you're moving or advancing towards your victory as long as you're still moving. Just don't ever quit. You may have to crawl across the finish line, but don't quit. Because when you cross that finish line, you've won. The only one you're in competition against in in the sense of is the devil. And I know I've taught you this before. Most of you have heard this, but think about it. The devil can never cross the same finish line you're trying to get across. Right. You're trying, if you're trying to get across the finish line into healing, Satan will never cross that finish line That's into right. healing. That's right. Well, how can he, how can he whip me? You know, in a race, we always think about the one that crosses the finish line first wins, right. That's right. But see, the devil can't cross the finish line into healing. He can't cross the finish line into prosperity. He can't cross the finish line into faith. He can't cross the finish line into victory of any kind, Amen. period. So how can he whip us? There's only one way, and I learned it when I was in the fifth grade playing baseball. I learned that year, when I, whatever year that was, I don't know, it was around 1969, I guess, but here's what I learned that year in baseball season, that we could actually win a game without ever taking our bats or taking our gloves out of the bag, is just simply if the other team defaulted or didn't show up. Or we could be whipped by another team without them ever batting and running a run, simply by us defaulting, by not showing up for the game. And And that's what happens with a lot of Christians. The devil threatening, said, I'm going to whip you in this thing, I'm going to take you out, I'm going to win, and you're not going to win. And the devil can't cross the same finish line on What you've got to get a revelation of is the only way the devil will ever win against you is get you to not show up for the race. But as long as you stay in the race, you're a winner. Say this one, let's read it together. Message translation on the screen. You ready? Let's do it together. Let the weak one throw out his chest and say, what? I'm tough. I am a fighter. I like that. Praise God. We are tough and we are fighters. Why? Do it. Why fight? Write this down if you need to. Because this, this people ask things like this sometimes. And why do you talk about this in church? Well, why be a fighter? Here's the answer to it. Because life's full of battles. And if you don't fight because there's full of challenges, you're just not going to win in life. You're going to have to stay showing up for the game. I said to you last week, thinking like a, a boxer analogy, and if you didn't write this down, write it down now. Boxer, you know, has to keep answering the bell. You make sure you keep answering the bell. Every time that bell rings, you come out of the corner to fight again. In other words, you come out of the fight, out of the corner to say, I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. And if you feel like you're knocked down and just whipped for the last time and you think I'll never get back in that ring again and you hear that bell ring, let that bell ring do your challenge. Amen. I'm coming back again. I mean, he might try to hit me again, but I'm coming back out there. And I promise you, the way you win victories is to outlast the devil. Yeah. Now he's a, I quote Brother Hagin on this. He's a, the devil is a consistent old cuss. He's very consistent but you just got to show him you're more consistent Amen. because the devil will give up before you do. Amen. So why talk about fight? Because life is full of battles. It's full of challenges. And without a fighter mentality or a fighter attitude, without a fighter's determination to keep answering that bell, you miss out on the best that life has to offer. Yes. That's the problem. What, what are you forfeiting by not being a fighter? You miss out on what life's really all about. Wow. You'll, you'll never have, the things of life that God intended you to have. I'm going to give you a scripture on that. But let me show you one on the screen. This comes out of Romans chapter 4, talking about Abraham. Look up here, if you will. Look what it says. He being not weak in faith. See, that's what we're talking about. Don't don't have weak faith. Weak faith that don't show up to the battle. Weak faith that doesn't continue its confession. He said, Abraham did not have weak faith, but he staggered not. Now, that's important. I wish I had time to talk about that. Don't let things stagger you. Don't let, only Roy, a negative report can cause, now the word stagger means just that, that. You ever had anything that was just staggering? Again, I go back to childhood lessons. I can remember when my grandmother died, my mother's mother, mother had two sisters and uh, of course the, the girls were still living but when my grandmother, their mother died, 1971, April 1971, I was just a little boy about, I don't know, 11 years old I guess and uh, I remember my uncle was working here in, with the power company, Cecil Cobbin. Gary, you remember him. He was my uncle, but he had just been transferred from uh, the Mobile area. I don't know where that plant is, Satsuma, Sarah Land. He lived down in that area. He had been transferred up here, so Aunt Marie, mother's older sister, was still living down there. And so when the night that grandmother died in our home, I remember Uncle Cecil came because he was already working up here trying to get the family moved up here. But I remember he called his wife, the oldest daughter of his, you know, the mother just died. And before he would tell her what happened, y'all know what I mean. He said, make sure the boys are up. Is Gary up? Get Gary up and Dwayne up. And what do you got to tell me? Just get them up first before I tell you. Are you sitting down, you know, to tell her that her mother died? Because that can be staggering reports to people. And you need somebody there to be with you and, you know, that kind of thing when something's that overwhelming to you. Well, sometimes a pink slip from the office can be a staggering report. Because, you know, have you noticed whenever you got laid off or fired or whatever it may be, but do you ever notice if you get a pink slip, they don't, at the same time, the boss that hands you that pink slip don't say, and we worked it out with the power company. They'll give you power a year for free. Your house payments won't come for another year. And and the grocery store is just waiting on you to come once a week and fill up your car, no charge. No. What does your mind go to with that pink slip? How am I going to make that house payment? How am I going to keep the kids in school? How am I going to feed my family? How am I going to do all the things, all the promises I made to my family? Come on, talk to me, somebody. Well, see, you're going to have to fight through that. because, and, and so, But the man of faith, if you get a pink slip on your job, the man of faith says, or the woman of faith says, I tell you what, it's a good thing they got rid of me. Now I can take that better job that's coming. The oh, yeah, yeah. devil says, where is it? The devil asks, well, you'd like to know, wouldn't you, devil? But me and God already know. I got inside information. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about, fighting. Body body acts a little way weak or something like that. You no, know, so I'm not going to do it. Well, look what it said about Abraham. He being not weak in his faith, he didn't stagger. See, strong faith won't let you stagger at a report. Amen. He said he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strong in faith. Yes. Amen. And the Bible goes on to tell us, we won't deal with it right now, but in that very passage, it tells us how he got his faith strong. Yeah. Had to yeah. do with as he began to praise and thank God for the problem. Amen. So being not weak in faith. But I want to show you this in the message translation, if you'll look up here, please. This is, this is tremendous, but it'll point out some things. He being not weak in his faith, he staggered not at the promise. All right, here's the, here's the message, ready? He didn't tiptoe around God's promise, asking cautiously skeptical questions. That's the way a lot of Christians are. Do you think it'll work out? tiptoeing through the tubes, you know. Right. Do you think it'll work out? Do you think God's got a healing for me this time? Do you think God will ever give me a happy home again? Do you think he'll give me a good marriage again? Whatever person's going through. Abraham wasn't like that. Right. He didn't tiptoe around God's promises right. asking cautiously skeptical questions. What did he do? He plunged right into the promise and he came up strong. Amen. Amen. Man, Amen. That's a powerful thing. Well, what do you mean, brother? I mean, you take the promises of God that you need that cover the situation you're fighting you know, if it's healing, get healing scriptures. Amen. If you need that's money, right. get money scriptures. Yeah, right. yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Right. You know, get whatever scriptures you do and plunge into those yes. scriptures. Amen. Yes. Yes. Into yes. amen. Now, let me put a picture in your mind if you don't know what plunge is. <laughs> you ever had a, a dirty job at the bathroom when it got stopped up or something like that? What'd you get? You had to get the plunger. Okay, I see y'all yes. not glad y'all came now. Yeah. <laughs> and there ain't no way to get it plunged except just plunge it right in there. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But you got to go after it. Well, this is what he did. He took the promises and just immersed himself is what that Amen. means. He just took the plunge. He just immersed himself in those promises yeah. Yeah. and he got more confident from those scriptures than, from, than attack was bringing Amen. negative or robbing him of confidence. He wouldn't take that. In other words, don't listen to what people have got to say negatively. That's right. Amen. Amen. I, I'm going to tell you, listen, Susan and I were talking about it the other day. We were talking about who, I don't remember who the other one was, but we were talking about compared to, um, oh, I don't know. I was telling you something. That's what it was, but we were comparing it to Dodie Osteen's testimony when Dodie Osteen was diagnosed with metastatic cancer liver in 1981. And the doctor sent her home with just two weeks to live. Said nothing we can do for you, two weeks to live. And she had already lost all the weight before she even went to the doctor. And I uh, let it go on. So she was in final stage, I guess fourth stage, uh, cancer had spread all through her body and the doctor said nothing they could do. Yeah. Dodie's first, resp- well, I'm talking about once she got home. Her first decision was, she said, I will not allow anybody, as she's talking to her family. John Osteen at that time, her husband was pastor in one of the largest churches yeah. in America at that time. 20, about 20,000 members yeah. in the 1980s. So, I'm just saying they didn't have a whole lot of people come to their home, but they, you know, just family, private, you know. Right. And same way with the church staff. But Dodie made this clear. She said when she went home, the doctor sent her home to die. But when she went home, she didn't go home to die. Right. She went home and she said this. She said, I will not allow, I will not permit anybody in my family. I mean, she's talking yeah. to John. She is talking about her children, her sons and daughters-in-law. She's talking about her grandchildren and those to come and anybody on her church staff or around her church family. Yeah. She mm-hmm. said, I forbid anybody to come in my presence and speak the word cancer. Come wow. on. Amen. She said, I will not allow that word to be spoken. Come on. Amen. I mean, she wouldn't even talk about it. Right. it you, you, not the word. Now, she plunged into the promises, you can talk to me about healing, but you can't talk to me about cancer. Right. No, she never mentioned it. Well, we've got to discuss your cancer. I don't have cancer. So, I'm, not, I'm not walking in cancer. I've got healing and that's all. She put her whole mind on that. That's what I mean by plunging into it. You know, when, when you plunge into something, you're not good for anything else. Right. You ever notice the plunger in the bathroom, It don't use for anything else? Yeah. You ever notice that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I need a bigger spoon for this pot, so let me, let me with that plunger. No, 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 are you kidding? I don't know how you are at our house, but we, we'll we crawl in a window to walk around the kitchen with something like that. We don't, yeah. we don't go through the kitchen. Okay. Yeah. We don't pass through the house like no. that. Now, see, when you, when you plunge yourself and give yourself to the Word of God, you are, as my daddy said, you're fit to be tight. Yeah. You, you are not good for anything else yeah. but overcoming. Yeah. And you ought to be that way. Just get, become a fighter in this thing. Say, Amen. I'm not good for anything else but just winning. Amen. Amen. You, know, I know how, you know how the world says all the time, I can't win for losing. You ever heard that? Amen. I can't win for losing. I can't Amen. win for losing. You ought to just change it. And, and it's so odd to say it this way. And it'll feel funny to you to say it. But let's say it anyway. Say, I can't lose for winning. Say that again. I just can't lose for winning. They talk around the water fountain at your work tomorrow and say, boy, you know, things are getting bad. And you say, well, not me. I can't, I can't lose for winning. I'm telling you, somebody will follow you around to find out how you operate like that. So they just say, why, why do you talk like that? It's because losing can't be a part of you. It can't get in you. Quitting can't be a part of you. He didn't, I like that, read it again. He didn't tiptoe around God's promises asking cautiously cautiously skeptical questions. He plunged into the promise and how did he come up? He came up strong. Yes, and God will do anything you need him to do. Yes, you know, you yes, say, well, I don't know if God knows much about this sport. Oh, you better believe God knows things yes, about sports. Amen. I don't know if God knows anything. Listen, I told this story a long time ago, but listen to this. There was a man by the name of Casey Jones. and I'm not talking about the baseball player. There was a man by the name of Casey Jones in Houston, Texas years ago and he was a house mover, you know, where you pick up a house and move it down the street. And that's a big business. But he had become saved and spirit-filled, and he was one of the strongest men of faith that his workers that worked for him said, I'd never known anybody as strong as Casey was in his faith. He just believed God would do anything for him, and God would do it. I mean, he just, you know, they saw him do things for him. And this was one of the best testimonies his men said. Now, this was Casey Jones. He's a house mover. Does God know anything about moving houses? Yes. some of y'all are going to go home and not even believe what I'm about to tell you. This happened to this man. Okay. They said that one day they were going to move a building and they had loaded up their trucks, you know, and they got the house moving truck and then they had the truck that had all the equipment, the, oh, come, come alongs and what all, the jacks and, and the chains and so on. And they hadn't have anyway, but they come, they were out in the way, you know, how many of you ever been to Texas? you know, Texas is spread out, you know. You run to the grocery store, it take you 45 minutes to get there yeah. from anywhere. Yeah. And I mean, it's just just big open area. And they were way out in the country on one of those FM roads, you know, farmer to market roads, way out in the middle of nowhere. And, and they had drove all that morning to get where they had to move this building, storage building they were about to move. And he said, they got all the way out there nearly to the turn where they would turn to go down the driveway. Now, you know, driveways in Texas can be 10 miles. Yeah. And he said, we were on an old dirt road, gravel road, it not run out of the pavement and said, we're there, and we got right to the turn where we were supposed to go to the building we was moved. We had drove all that morning and said, Casey stopped the truck, didn't have cell phones back then. Casey stopped the truck and stopped the caravan of his workers and said, doggone it. He said, uh, you know, I forgot my chain, and he had to have the chain. He said, I forgot a chain. Now, they're out in the middle of nowhere. There ain't no traffic on this road but them. And, and said he was standing out there. And so they said, oh, my goodness, now we lost the whole day because we got to go back. We can't do this without the chain. Casey didn't bring his chain. Casey said, that's all right, though. He said, God will get me a chain. God will get me a chain. Come on. He stood out on the side of that dirt road now, just him and his three trucks parked there. And nobody, you can tell, ain't nobody even been out there. <laughs> and he on. said he's standing out there. And they said, they, we watched him. He said, he stood out there and he said, uh, Lord, this is your little boy Casey. Yeah. I need a chain. Lord, you know I need a chain. I got out here without my chain. God, this is your little boy Casey and I need a chain. Amen. He said, now we were all as workers, said we were all there kind of standing out by the trucks watching him. There was crazy, Casey, you know. <laughs> and he's just out in the road, on the side of that road, thanking God for a chain in the middle of nowhere. Amen. And he said, all of a sudden we saw a dust cloud coming way down at the end of the road. Must have been three miles up. We watched that dust cloud and we didn't. No, there's even traffic on this road. Here came a truck down that road, said it passed us in a cloud of smoke and it turned that sharp 90 degree like that and a chain come falling out of the back of that truck and wrapped itself around the feet of Casey Jones. Thank you, Lord, for my chain. I mean, God knows how to get a chain to people. God knows how to get a chain. I love that story. Anyway, so we got to be a fighter. We're called to fight battles. This is, a, this is a quote from Jerry Savelle. You ought to write this down. We're called to fight battles. We're, actually, I'm going to say it like this. We're called to a battle that we're destined to win. Amen. Jerry Savelle, we're called to battles that we're destined to win. Amen. Never destined to fail. We're called to battles that we're destined to win. Well, we're not off track talking about these things. Look up here on the screen. 1 Timothy six twelve says, fight the good, fight of faith. Now, you wouldn't have to fight the good fight of faith if there weren't battles to fight. So we need our faith strong. We need to toughen up so we can enjoy everything that God's got for us. Now, I want to show you another scripture on the screen before we look up some. Then we've got to get in the Bible and turn to some. You ready? Write this one down. Habakkuk. Y'all know how to spell that? H-A-B-A-K-K-U-K. Habakkuk. Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 19. Just jot it down and look up on the screen with me. Now, I want you to watch this. Now, we're talking about being strong, right? So I'm emphasizing that word strength. Habakkuk says, the Lord God is my strength, and he'll make my feet like hind's feet and will make me to walk upon my high places. Now, there's three parts of this scripture I want you to see. Number one is he's summing up the whole thing by saying God is the one that's going to make me strong for my healing, strong for my prosperity, strong for my abundance. God's the one that's going to make me strong. And how's he going to do it? Well, he's made my feet like hind's feet. We're going to talk about what that means. That, that word hind, you, if you want to write this down, is reference to a roe or a deer, but it's not referring to the fallow deer. It's a, it's a female deer. This, this word hind actually means a female deer, but it does not mean the fallow deer. Now, this is interesting to me. The fallow deer, like we have around here, the fallow deer is yellow, kind of pale, earthy looking, but it's talking about the female of the, of the red deer. This is what that word hind means. Now, this is interesting because where they live up in the mountainous areas, only the female, the red deer, the hind, goes up into the top part of the mountains and enjoys the beauty of the mountain. The stags usually stay down lower, but the hind's feet are made in such a way that she can handle the high places. So she walks in places above everything else. All right, now look, the Lord God is my strength. He's the one making me strong. How does he do it? He makes my feet like the red does, red deer's the red female, yeah, that makes sense to you? Yeah. Like her feet only can do so that she can walk or I can walk on high places. Yes. Now, the word high places is a term that I want you to, to listen to. You can write it down if you want to. High places in the Hebrew means elevation or height. It just means higher places, elevation or height. And in the Greek, it means the sky or heavenly. So literally translated, I'm on, when you write that down, I want you to look up and let's read it that way. It says, the Lord God is my strength. She makes my, he makes my feet like hinds' feet and he'll make me to walk in heavenly places. Amen. Wow. Amen. That's a pretty powerful thing. Yes. Amen. Say amen to that if you can see that. Amen. So if you want to toughen up, let him be your strength, make your feet like this, here's what we're going to get. In Amos, now and this is another scripture, Amos chapter four, verse 13. We're fixing to turn to some now. We're going to return to Isaiah in just a minute, but write this one down, Amos 4, 13. So God Let's, let's get this in our minds for those of you paying attention. God is able to strengthen us by giving us the ability to walk in heavenly places. Yes, yes, that's good. All right, Amen. now look, look at this one, Amos 4.13. I'll come back to this in just a minute. Okay, let's, let's well, let me, let me get, all right, look at this. The Lord God is my strength. He'll make my feet like hind's feet and make me to walk upon high places. The Amplified says, and I'll read in Amos just a minute. The Lord God is my strength. He's my source of courage, my invincible army. He has made my feet steady and sure like hind's feet. Now watch this. He makes me walk forward with spiritual confidence. Yes. Wow. Amen. Now this is what I'm trying to get you to see. Amen. God, what do you mean heavenly places? Spiritual confidence. Yes, wow. yes. 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 that's good. Wow. That's powerful. In other words, on my high places, in other words, of challenges and of responsibility. Woo! So when it comes to life, walking in heavenly places means that I walk with a spiritual confidence yeah. no matter what challenges me. Amen. Now I'm gonna show you why when we get to this, Romans, this uh, Amos and this man, but look at now. Here it is in the message. I like this one. This would be a good church uh, song service, wouldn't it? I'm turning cartwheels of joy Woo! to Amen. my Savior God. Amen. I tell you, it'd be God if some of us turned cartwheels. It'd be God, wouldn't it? <laughs> I'm turning cartwheels of joy to my Savior God. I'm counting on God's rule to prevail. I take heart and gain strength. I run like a deer. I feel like I'm king of the mountain. Well, I I chose this message translation because I wanted you to see that last phrase. I feel like I'm king of the mountain. Well, that's really what God's trying to get us to see. Now, we used to play that as children, did y'all? King of the mountain. We'd get up on top of a hill. Now, of course, then where we'd get is on some little mound of dirt, you know, and play and, and, and whoever stayed on top and you'd throw everybody else down and, and whoever remained was king of the mountain. Right. Well, this is the attitude I want you to see. Start thinking in life, I can be king of the mountain. In my life, I can be king of the mountain. Nothing can throw me off of this mountain. See, what makes you feel like king when nothing else can throw you off? Now, now look at this. Everybody say, God causes me to walk in heavenly places. To walk in heavenly places. Now, now look on the screen. Amos 4.13. Talking about God. Now, that, that scripture we just read was talking about you. But here's God. He that formeth the mountains and createth the wind and declareth unto what is his, man what is his thought, who makes the morning darkness and treads upon the high places of the earth. The Lord, the God of hosts, is his name. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Amen. Now I want you to see this. God walks in in these high places, yes. Yes. Amen. when he says he makes our feet like hinds' feet, so we can walk in these high places, he's talking about he, you. I'm making it in such a way that you can walk where I walk. Woo! Yes. Now, now look. At this, this is interesting. If the Lord walks in high places of the earth, now are you watching this? Look at it when you underline it. God treads upon the high places of the earth. Come on. Where is heaven? Some pointed up, some pointed in. Both are right. Can I give you this definition? See if you agree with me. This is what I was thinking of late last night. Heaven is wherever God is. Yeah, that's good. It doesn't yeah. matter. Just wherever he is, heaven is there. That's what the presence of heaven is. If God walks on the high places of the earth, that means God brings heaven with him when he comes. He brings heaven to earth. Then he makes our feet strengthens us and makes our feet like hind's feet so we can walk in those heavenly places along with him. Woo, yes, amen. Praise God. Amen. Weak people will never do that. Wow, amen. Weak Christians will never get it. Wow. amen. How do you, How amen. would you define a weak Christian, Brother Well, one that'll let his pastor preach all morning and never say an amen. Ain't got a ain't got an ounce of encouragement in him. <laughs> Are y'all getting this? Yes. Okay, look at Isaiah. Now turn in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah. Praise God. Amen. I have just a few minutes here to do this real quick. Isaiah 49, verse 8 through 9 is what we're going to read. If I walk in high places, God will strengthen me to do it. He makes me strong so my feet become like the deer, the red doe, so I can walk in areas that the rest of the world can't get. You know, Susan, I get kind of tickled about it. This is not better. It don't make us better than anybody else, but it gives us a place to pray better than anybody else. We learned back some time back our water pressure had gotten low at our house. Of course, we're in Jasper City, city water. The pressure had become low, but I grew up with four girls in the house, so I was used to, you know, because we've got five bathrooms, so a lot of times, you know, somebody else can be taking a shower, and I think, well, so I didn't think nothing about it, even though the girls were all gone. And I didn't think anything about it. And my neighbor asked me one day, he said, Brother James, have you been noticing the water pressure low? I said, "I, I said, yeah, a little bit, but I hadn't paid no attention to it really. But he said to me, he said, Brother James, he said, you know, your house, our street and your house being the highest point on the street is the highest place in Jasper. Wow. So the water company told him. said, said, your house is the highest elevation. Wow. Wow. Well, how many of you know my prayers just moved up? <laughs> I thought, Lord, you, you had a plan when you put me in this house. Susan and I, our prayer room is the highest point in the house. We amen. go into the, we go up into the high area. And of course, we just, but anyway, I always think about that when we pray. I think, Lord, you put me somehow over so I can look down on this county and area and just pray over this city. And and so we do. Amen. But I don't know. that. You said, I wasn't sure what to write down about that. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. But it just gets me excited to think about that God would put us there so we can pray. Now, Isaiah, everybody say high places, heavenly places. Heavenly places. All right. Isaiah 49. This is, this is getting good to me. Yes, it is. Learn to study in the Bible. Yes, amen. Now, verse 8. Thus saith the Lord, so we know God's talking, In an acceptable time have I heard thee, in a day of salvation have I helped you. And I will preserve you, and I will give you for a covenant of the people to establish the earth to cause you to inherit the desolate heritages. Verse 9. So that you may say to the prisoner, Go forth. To them that are in darkness, Show yourselves." They shall feed, talking as a reference to me and you, you shall feed in the ways and their pastures that they feed on shall be in all high places. Now remember, this is a reference to heavenly places. The person that decides they're going to be strong, tough, and a fighter gets to feed in the heavenly places and walk with God. We Christians don't experience that. And I like to think that when we come into Jasper Christian Center, I understand you can go to your mama's house when she puts food on the table and not eat if you don't want to. But I tell you, we put a meal out and I believe we're feeding on high pastures. Heavenly stuff. Heavenly stuff taking us to this place. But be tough enough to use your hinds feet. Tough enough, in other words, to dream your dreams. Believe that you can. You've got to believe that you can, saints. Now I'm I'm, I'm about to close, so let me just say this real quick. You've got to believe that you can at any age. Believe that you can still do whatever that God's putting in your heart to do. Winston Churchill you know, one of the greatest men of the 20th century, especially during World War II, and led Britain and so on into their victories. Winston Churchill said this. He said, never give up on a dream that you can't get off your mind. One that you think about every day and every night. One that you just dream about all the time. At any age, keep dreaming. Keep fighting for that dream. I read a testimony just last night of a 93-year-old man and this is what he said. He said, I've had an... In, now, this was him at 93. Everybody say 93. 93. His testimony was, he said, I've had an inferiority complex for 93 years. Now, that's a long time to carry a, a complex like that. Yeah, yeah. He said, I've carried an inferior complex for 93 years. And then that, the day he made this testimony, he said, and I got some good teaching on positive faith. And he said, I am now free from this complex And here's what a 93-year-old man said, I'm now rid of this complex and the future's looking good. That's 93. I know some 20-year-olds that don't think the future looks that great. But here's a 93-year-old man say the future's looking good. And I wish, you know, but it takes, what does that? Well, it's positive faith. This man's strong in faith. Truth is, God has made you inferior to no man and to no situation or opportunity. So stand up, write this down, stand up to people and things. Now, I'm not talking about being ugly to people, but I mean don't let people pull you down either. Amen. That's right. Amen. We used to have a... <laughs> y'all going to get me in trouble now, Lord. This is going <laughs> to get me in trouble. We used to say when, when people bothered us, we'd say something like this, go take a hike. Wow. Or go jump in the lake. Wow. You remember those kind of things? I'm talking wow. back in the 70s now. Yeah. Go take a hike. You need to say that to people in a nice way. You know, just uh, uh, you know get out of here. You know, get, or get off my back, we'd say. Well, somewhere we need to stand up to people. I, I, don't, I don't mean, you know, when people try to tell us you're not going to make it, just say, well, I'll go take a hike because I'm going to walk. Right. With, are you kidding, man? I'm walking with God. I'm, I'm walking in high places right now. I can do anything, but you've got to believe that you can. Tell the rest of the world, just back off and say this scripture every day, this confession every day till it sticks, that with God's help, I'll not be afraid of anybody or anything. And I'm going I'm to get you to confess that with me, but look at the scripture that backs it up. This is Joshua chapter one, verse nine. In the Amplified Bible, if you'll look real quickly on the screen. Are you ready? Look at it. It says, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified or dismayed or intimidated. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So make this confession. This is what you just wrote down. Say it every day till it sticks. With God's help, I'll not be afraid of anybody or anything. I'm talking about make that your confession. Now, saints, the only way I know get it to work, you jot it down on something today and don't know what you did with it, but put it on a note card, print it out on the computer if you want to, on a note card, something nice, stick it in your pocket or in your purse, and when you're sitting in a traffic light, waiting on traffic, get that out and say that again. I'm not afraid of anybody or anything. I don't fear opportunities. They give me an opportunity. I'm just gonna rise to the challenge. Amen. With God's help, I'll not be afraid of anybody or anything. I wrote this down late last night and I'm just reading things just to let you go home. But be through with being afraid, shine nervous. Amen. Be through. Be through with being afraid, shine nervous. Ooh, amen. That's good. Yeah, I read a, a preacher said this one time. He said talking about fear and nervousness that he dealt with all the time. He said, I, I got to a place I realized I can't live with this fear, so I'm gonna learn to live without it. Wow. Wow. Now I know if, if fear dominates you afraid and shyness and intimidation, things like that, if it dominates you, you'll think, I just, I just don't want to keep living like this. I've told Susan, when I battled things so much, I said, I just don't know that I want to keep on living. I preached 40 years. God, just let me go. I, I said that the other day to her about something. And she said, no, don't be like that. And so I got to thinking, well, I can't live with this aggravation. And the Lord said, well, why don't you just learn to live without it then? Amen. Amen. You know, no, so go ahead and whip it and overcome it. Right. amen. Yeah. said, y'all not getting, I don't know if y'all, maybe you are, I don't know. But the Lord just dealt with me about it. Y'all gonna see me at 93 one day saying the future's looking good. Two things, I gotta say these things fast So jot down what you're smart enough to write down. Two things we learn from failure. This is what all of us have learned. And, and this is, I'm gonna give you the biggest reason why people fail, just a minute. But we call it a failure. But don't, don't call them failures anymore. Just call them learning opportunities. Here's what we learn when we've experienced failures is two things. Number one is we learn that there's a reason why we failed. And you'll find out it was never God's fault. There's always a reason that we fail. Amen. We'll learn from that reason. Learn, Go back and say, well, I'm not let that be a factor in my life again. Amen. Here's the second thing you learn when you go through a failure, and you've got to get this one today if this hasn't been a part of your spiritual education. Number one, there's a reason we fail, but number two, we can rebound or rise again from that failure. Amen. Nobody in this building today but just learners. Amen. i, I Say this a lot. I want you to say it with me. Say, no failures here. No failures here. Only, learners. Only learners. Now, I mean, the world might look at us and it looks like we failed. We may feel like we failed at things. But we can rebound. Yes. Get back up again. Amen. Go stronger right. than we were. Because right. if you learn from your mistakes that caused you to fail to start with, you'll be stronger. You won't, you won't fall for the same thing again. Say so amen right. to amen. that if you can get it. Amen. So, amen. I like that. We can rebound, all right? Here's the number one reason, and this is all I'm gonna deal with real quickly. I'm gonna hit this real quick and let you go home. Here's the number one reason that people are not winning today, not fighting to win. is because of a lack of persistence. Wow. That's, that's what I've already talked to you about so I can say this, thing. you know, perseverance, in other words, or lack of determination. They just, they just quit. They give up. Well, didn't you start that business? Yeah, I started it. Well, how's it going? I just quit it. Let me try to put this in a perspective. You can get it right quick. Um, I've been in ministry for 40 years, so I've heard a lot of things. But one that stands out in my mind, years ago, there was a minister. At least he said he was a minister. And I'm talking about back in the 80s, Brother Sam. In the 80s, he said to us, he said, you know, boys, he said, God's called me to go to China. We'd see him the next year. Well, have you been to China? Not yet. And, And you see him 10 years later, he said, no, I haven't been to China. But God, you said God called you to China. Yeah, one of these days I'm going to go. Here it is, it's been nearly 40 years, 30 plus years, he's never seen China yet. Wow. Listen, I'm telling you, if God tells you to go to China, you can go to China. Right. I knew another man by the name of Larry White. He was a young man, and, and God had called him to ministry, but he didn't even identify himself as a minister. He just said, I'm a, I'm a layman that likes to preach. Mm-hmm. He said God called him to China. Now, I'm wow. comparing these two men. Larry said, when God called me to China, this was back in the 80s. He said, when God called me to China, he said, I didn't have money to go. Now, he lived in a big city, big town. And in every city, they have a Chinatown. He said, I didn't have money to get out of my city, Houston, Texas. He said, I didn't have money to get out. And he said, but you know, I thought, well, there's a Chinatown. I can go to Chinatown. And he said, I went down there and I preached so much that God just blessed me. It wasn't long until I was on a plane to China. And he's been a missionary for the last 40 years. See, what's the difference? Well, I had a, had a, when we lived, Sandy, back in the early 90s, lived on Tucker Road, your neighbor. We were two doors down from Sandy in a nice little house. I mean, it was yeah. one of my favorite houses I ever lived in. I just wish it had grown with our family. Yeah. And uh, I had a preacher come to see me one day and talk to me. He was just discouraged about some things, and he talked to me, and we talked a while in our living room. And at that time, Avril, Sarah, and Kristen were smallest before James was born. Kristen was just a baby. And we talked a few minutes, and I tried to share with him the things he had asked me. And then I walked him out to his car. He lived in another city, and I walked him out to his car. And passed—that was when we was driving that little white Cadillac, you know. And I passed my little cart, and uh, we got to his, which was just, you know, an old rough car, I guess. And and uh, I didn't think nothing about it. And he's, i could see he was getting mad at me, standing there saying goodbye. He was getting aggravated at me. And I said, Jerry, I said, what's bothering you? He said, it ain't fair. I said, what ain't fair? He said, he said you've got a nice wife, you've got a nice home, you've got nice children, you've got a nice car, you've got a nice church, you've got a nice ministry. I've got none of that. Now, he'd been, bless his heart, not condemned. He had been through, I think at that time, three marriages. He had uh, he'd pastored three or four months, six months, and then you know they'd hire him as a pastor somewhere, and he'd be off on the bottle for about a year or so. And he'd go back and some repent. Some church would hire him back. And he didn't have a car worth anything. The house he had was a rented house that was just pitiful. And I never thought about it. I wasn't, you know, no comparing like that. And he brought all that up. And then he said this to me. He said, you just got everything nice. And he said, God just did it for you overnight. <laughs> I'd, heard Brother, I'd heard Brother Osteen say this. So I looked at him and I said, you're exactly right. God did it for me overnight. And this was a long time ago, so. But I said, "Its the only problem was, Roger." I said that night was about twelve years long. Oh. <laughs> and I said, you know, I mean, but see, you can see. I described that situation. I mean, what consistency right. is in your life to be right. a pastor, but you're on the bottle for a yeah. year, and then you're back in the pastor, and then you're on, the, and then consi- But but you know, and I asked myself after that because I, I never, I'd never been thankful, thank God for Thanksgiving. I'd never been thankful that I had a, a paved driveway and a car sitting in it that was a nice car and, and paid for and the house was nice and the children, you know, in the home and the wife was nice, you know, the marriage was nice. Yeah. I'd never been thankful realizing that others didn't have, you know what I'm saying, like, like he had brought up, it never occurred to me like that and I went back in the house and I said, Lord, why, what is it? Now, he thinks it's an overnight success you know, and not that we think we've arrived or anything, then or now but I said, Lord, what's the difference? And the Lord said, because you never quit. He said, you went through the same pressures that drove him to the bottle, but you didn't quit. You didn't go back to the bottle. Well, you just got to be a non-quitter. You got to have perseverance." Say amen to that, if you can see it. I know. I know. Time's gone. I just mm. Joshua one nine says, "Be strong and courageous." I like that. We've already read that. And I'm gonna close. Here's here's the last scripture that I'm gonna read. Turn to the book of James. Would you, right quick? And that'll be our last scripture today. Most people just quit. That's the problem with most people is they just quit. They have no perseverance. They quit the pursuit of their dreams, quit the pursuit of their good health. You know, medical science is learning this now. Used to, they'd make fun of us and put us down, but even medical science knows now that there's a natural cure for just about everything. Yeah. And they are, they are, yeah. How many testimonies have we read, just naturally speaking, where somebody be in last stage of cancer, sometimes stomach cancer, or um, colon cancer, and all those things, and they just get on the right diet and Recover. The information's there. We have no excuses. That's my point. That's right. I'm going to close with this scripture. Tell me if you're still happy to be at church. Amen. All right. I'm gonna, this is helping me. Say this while, I'm, while you're waiting on me to turn there. Say, I'm not, a I'm not a quitter. I'm not a quitter at things. I'm not quitting on my marriage. I'm not quitting on my success in life. James chapter 5. Now, this is talking about endurance. Most Christians don't have it. They don't, they don't develop it. They just quit when pressure gets on them. Yeah. But you have to persist when everything in you wants to quit. That's right. That's everything right. wants to quit. Sometimes I feel that way myself. I've told you that. I mean, Sometimes you feel that way physically. Sometimes you feel that way financially. Yeah. Sometimes you feel like that. But but it's just not. Uh, and sometimes it's because of what people say to you that hurts you so bad. Right. Paul, the Apostle Paul made a statement in the book of Timothy. He said "When I, at my first answer, which means my first preaching, when I first started in ministry, he said, no man stood with me. Howbeit the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, yeah. made me strong. See, there's that, that strengthened scripture. Yeah. Well, in this one, this is talking about Job. I'm not going to spend the time talking about Job, but I want to point out one thing about it. How many of you have ever read the book of Job? How many of you? It would almost be a reason to fail if you meditate on some of them. You think about you know, because mostly, I'll I tell you the reason I say that, is because most of us have heard sermons on Job that didn't match the book of Job. You know that people say Job went through problems for years, lost everything. Do you know most Bible scholars agree that the book of Job didn't last more than nine months right, max. Right, right. Some say it was as little as a few weeks. Yeah. Lost everything, but he gained it all back double. Yes. Yes. See, but no people didn't preach us that. They just right. said, oh, you know, and they said, you know, we're all just like poor old Job. You know, we go through problems. Uh-huh. But then, but you need to read about Job. They said, so they're poor. You ever heard this? I'm just as poor as Job's turkey. Well, now, see, that's unbiblical. There's no record Job had any turkeys. Don't know what he did for Thanksgiving, but there's no record he had turkeys. That's just, that's just devils making up preaching sermons. Amen. Devil's making it to hold us back. Amen. The book of James sums up the book of Job in this verse we're about to read. It says there's one thing that God wants us to get from the book of Job. But he starts out in verse 10, talking about all the prophets. He says, take my brethren, the prophets, as an example. Now this is our last scripture, so act like you're happy. Take my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering affliction and of patience, which is the word endurance. Mm -hmm. In other words, they suffered afflictions, but they kept enduring. This will make sense when I read it to you out of another translation. And then he gets to the 11th verse, he says, Behold, we count them happy which endure." because they always get the results they're after if you don't quit. That's what he's talking about. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Then he said this, you've heard of the patience of Job. That's the only thing you and I need to really take out of the book of Job, is that Job didn't quit even though he felt like it. Even though his wife told him to and his friends told him to give up, he didn't quit, and he ended up with double what he ever had before. Behold, we count them happy which endure. You've heard of the patience or the endurance of Job, and have you seen the end of the Lord, how he doubled him? And the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercies. Well, to me, looking at another translation, if you'll look up here on the screen, he says this. This is the message translation. Are you ready for this now? And I'll close. Take the old prophets as your mentors. Why? They put up with anything, went through everything, and never once quit. Never once quit. Please write that down about yourself. I'm going to never once quit. I may have quit, but I'm not a quitter anymore. The devil just thought I quit. I thought I quit. The devil thought I quit, but I didn't quit. Look at this. Let's read all of it. They put up, those prophets put up with anything. They went through everything, more than you and I have ever went through, and they never quit all the time honoring God. And then he adds this, what a gift life is to those who stay the course. What a gift life is to those who stay the course. I don't know where you're at today, but I'm telling you, stay the course in your marriage. Stay the course in your job, your business. Stay the course in your dreams and do not give up. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for this wonderful group of people. I thank you for the best church in all Northwest Alabama, Jasper Christian Center. Lord, they're workers, they're lovers, they're givers, and they're winners, and we're not quitters. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. You've made us the head and not the tail. You've put us at the top and not beneath. Always winning, never losing. And we thank You for it. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Praise God. Woo, God is good. Amen. Say it with me. Say, I'm blessed with God's help. I'll never quit. I'll never be hindered. I'll never be stopped. stopped. I'm more than a conqueror. conqueror. For Him that love me, in Jesus' name, amen.